Hello, it's Bonnie here and thanks for listening to The Leader. If you're a new listener, welcome. This is where we bring you news, interviews and analysis from the Evening Standards newsroom every day at 4pm. If you like it, hit subscribe and if you have a moment, give us a rating too. From The Evening Standard in London, this is The Leader. Hi, I'm Bonnie Christian. London scrambles to prepare for a second lockdown. There's some things which that they're still lacking, though, and in particular they're lacking detail about what measures they could introduce for local lockdowns. The Evening Standard's Nicholas Cecil says the city's town halls have been left in the dark about what to do if another wave of coronavirus hits. And... No, they're thinking of extending the season in countries to keep those resource circumstances they do anticipate people will be coming later in the year. Is there still hope for summer abroad? ABTA's Sean Tipton says this year might see a boom for out-of-season travel. Taken from the Evening Standard's editorial column, this is The Leader. For the whole thing, pick up the newspaper or head to standard.co.uk slash comment. In a moment, London's roadmap for a second lockdown. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze... Relax and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Hi, I'm Lawrence Delalio, host of the Evening Standard Rugby podcast, brought to you in partnership with QBE Business Insurance. The show is available to listen to now and right up to the end of the season when the winners of the Champions Cup will be crowned at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium and the fight for the Premiership title will be decided at Twickenham. QBE is one of the world's leading insurers and they will help your business build resilience through risk management and insurance solutions. Subscribe and download now wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening. The problem we have is the government's not provided clarity in relation to what powers we have. They've not given us the resources we need. But also, unless they're careful, a local lockdown will have no real teeth because people will be free to just get in their car and go somewhere else to go to an area where there isn't a local lockdown. London Mayor Sadiq Khan has a stark warning. The pandemic isn't over and we're not ready for a second deadly outbreak. More than 8,000 Londoners have already lost their lives to the virus and he says there's a serious risk others could too. He's calling for more powers to help avoid another devastating outcome should another wave hit. But our editorial column says the Mayor and Prime Minister should be working together to keep our city safe. Where are the plans to protect London if coronavirus spikes again? You'd hope that months after the coronavirus crisis began, the rules would be laser sharp. 
the systems ready to go and everyone working together to catch infection to make sure rates do not start to soar again. Unfortunately, you'd be wrong. The system isn't ready, and there's another big problem too. It's still proving too hard to track infection rates and share information fast. The government says councils should lead the response, but that's wrong. It's a job for the mayor and the prime minister. The prime minister needs to get clear rules for emergency local lockdowns in place, and then tell the country how they would work so we can prepare. The mayor needs to lead London's response, not blame others. That means pulling together resources from across the city, rather than just tell us that the city isn't ready. He should ask himself why and sort it out. We got our response to coronavirus wrong the first time around. We cannot afford to do that again. Public health chiefs today tried to calm fears of apparent increases in cases in some London boroughs, but at the local level, town halls are scrambling to prepare for a second wave. The Evening Standard's Nicholas Cecil has pieced together their action plans to stop an outbreak spiralling out of control. He joins me now. Nick, what information do the boroughs have to work with? All London councils have now published... COVID local action plans or COVID local control plans. And basically they explain how the town halls and other local bodies would respond to uh, an outbreak of coronavirus in their area. There's some things which they're still lacking though, and in particular they're lacking detail about what measures they could introduce for local lockdowns. At the moment, there are already some existing powers which they could use, for example, restricting gatherings and events. They could close premises that pose an infectious risk to the public. And they can even detain individuals who pose an an infectious risk to the population. The, The local councils don't have information yet on what they could do, for example, to restrict people moving around. Already in in Leicester, the government has advised against all but essential travel. But certainly the London councils don't know how they would, how would they, they would enforce that or, or bring that in at the moment. So what are the blueprints that the councils have prepared so far? So, some of the plans are, are very detailed, kind of 90 pages long. Others are far, far more concise. And, and basically, most of them ha- have a kind of a, a seven-pronged outline. So what, what that includes is initially trying to prevent and manage outbreaks in settings such as schools and care homes, also preventing and managing outbreaks in other high-risk locations such as offices and other workplaces, religious settings. Then there's deploying local testing capacity effectively, contact tracing particularly for complex settings and groups, access to local data needs to be there in place to prevent outbreaks. Good communications is vital and also another crucial point is how do you support vulnerable, vulnerable people? At the moment, there's a particular issue over getting enough local detailed data for the councils to respond effectively. The government has improved that. Um, Public Health England is getting more information over. And there's even a question now about whether postcode 
data level, so so very detailed data down to individual postcodes, whether that should be published. The government is not doing that at the moment, presumably on privacy grounds. But the the question arises, the people who really need to know about an outbreak in, in, in a street are the people who live in that street. So I think the government will come under more pressure to publish new cases by postcode. And do they have backing from the government? The government backs the blueprints and, and actually the council had to prepare these blueprints by today. And interestingly enough, they also talk about how they would respond uh, working in conjunction with other councils, neighbouring councils, if there was an outbreak. Obviously, coronavirus doesn't stop at uh, borough boundaries so if there's an outbreak you could easily see several boroughs working together and if there's a major outbreak councils or many councils probably lack the resources to deal with a, a huge outbreak so then they, they, they have something called mutual aid where they could call in help from, from other councils in London. The Mayor of London, Sadiq Khan, is also very keen for, to, to see more powers uh, given to the capital to, to enforce local lockdowns uh, if, if necessary. And is there a sense that the councils need more clarity from the government about what they can actually do? They want more detailed, up-to-date data on new cases in, in, in the local area because once you've got that information, you can respond swiftly and effectively. There are also concerns that have been raised about the effectiveness of tests and trace. There still are a large number of people who don't really trust the system, maybe because they don't understand it fully, but who may be unwilling to take part. And if test and trace doesn't work, then it's far harder to control outbreaks. And there's one other issue, which is, is funding. Some councils, for example Brent, which have been very hard hit by coronavirus, um, say so that they're not receiving enough government funding to, to properly plan to deal with outbreaks. Next. It's a very picture, but I think it's fair to say the travel industry will be looking to encourage people to travel. Abta's Sean Tipton says airlines are ramping up flight schedules in anticipation of air bridges with the UK. Hi, I'm Lawrence Delalio, host of the Evening Standard Rugby podcast, brought to you in partnership with QBE Business Insurance. The show is available to listen to now and right up to the end of the season when the winners of the Champions Cup will be crowned at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium and the fight for the Premiership title will be decided at Twickenham. QBE is one of the world's leading insurers and they will help your business build resilience through risk management and insurance solutions. Subscribe and download now wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's stamps.com, code PROGRAM. Well, 
into summer now, but there's hope Brits could still enjoy what's left of the warmer months on a European beach. The long-awaited list of countries who'll be part of an air bridge agreement with the UK is set to be announced this week. So will this new travel bubble be the light at the end of the tunnel for sunseekers? Sean Tipton from UK Travel Trade Association, ABTA, joins me now. Sean, what countries do we know are likely to be on the list? Well, there's been a lot of speculation about which countries will be allowed to travel to in, in the very near future, but, they, but the, the list has not been confirmed yet. I mean, the rationale is that, um, as far as we're aware, that we'll be allowed to travel to countries which have a similar, if not lower, rates of infection. But also you've got to remember as well, those countries also have to be happy for us to come as well. So I think that's really what the concept of an air bridge is, is where both countries are happy for their nationals to visit each other. So again, the list of those countries has not actually been made public yet, but we're still waiting for it. But it is still very good news for the travel industry because we haven't been able to send anybody away since the middle of March. Uh, that's to any country in the world. Now, as you can imagine, that's been pretty devastating for us. Do you know when we can expect an announcement and have they given any indication of any countries that might definitely be on that list? Well, the Department for Transport has, has said that they will be making announcements sometime this week, but no, no exact date for that. And as, again, they haven't actually said to us these will be the countries on the list. The government has said that they'll keep a close eye on developing situations, so we'll have to wait and see. But, um, but the whole point about the reason why countries are opening up is because in many places the situation has improved quite drastically, and that's why they are opening up. And obviously, But each country will have its own view on this. Um, but from our perspective, though, still it is a positive sign because of the fact that there is a considerable pent-up demand for people wanting to go on holiday, not necessarily always overseas. It could be in the UK as well. Let's not forget that. A lot of people want to do that. And, and I think part of the reason for that is that so many people had holidays booked, which were cancelled because they couldn't travel. And that's obviously been very frustrating for them. And secondly... Um, it's been quite a tough time for everybody, isn't it, really? So why do we take holidays in the first place? It's, to, it's a way to relax and recharge your batteries. Is there a big demand for people to go away or are people being cautious? It's, I think it's fair to say it's a mixed picture, but uh, people are split between those who are really, really keen on going away, such as me, and others who think, OK, well, I, I want a holiday, but I'm probably going to take it in the UK. And so it's a mixed picture. So, but that still uh, amounts to a lot of pent-up demand for overseas travel because of the fact that people haven't been able to go away for three and a half months. You can imagine there have been millions of holidays which have been cancelled and those people will have had, most of them will have their money back or, or rebooked for a later date and uh, many of those will want to go away. Are we seeing a hike in flight prices because of this increased demand? Well, if you look at some... Um, Current prices for flights, is, again, it's a very picture, but the, I think it's fair to say the travel industry will be looking to encourage people to travel. And the way that you do that is by keeping your prices at a reasonable level. And also a lot of people haven't booked yet. They'll be waiting to see which countries we have agreements with, um, rather than just rushing out and booking on the off chance. So I think prices are at a fairly reasonable level. I know that's also the case for uh, the destinations we travel to, that they'll be very keen on encouraging people to come, obviously in a safe way, and they're not going to do that by putting their prices up drastically. But having said that, if we get back to a more normal situation, if there is a really, really big increase in demand, then yeah, I think that would at some stage impact on prices, because that's just normal market forces, really. But I think the other thing for this year, which we will almost certainly see is um, <clears throat> people travelling at times here they wouldn't normally travel. So let's say September or October 
And I know that some countries have said that there's a lot of resorts will shut down right in the middle of September because it's not worth their while staying open because of the fact that not enough people come. But I know they're thinking of extending the season in countries to keep those resorts open so that they do anticipate people will be coming later in the year. And I don't know if you've ever been to the Mediterranean in September, October and November as well. The weather's generally still really nice. In fact, the sea's often warmer. And uh, I think we'll see that as well, people travelling later in the year. A lot of the airlines are already ramping up their flight schedules. This must be big news for them. <laughs> Even though we haven't got exact lists of countries, etc. and dates, you still need to, as a travel company, you have to prepare. You have to do that in advance. It's not like signing on a tap. You can just get told one day, oh, OK, we'll start everything tomorrow. It's not as simple as that. So I think they, I've seen a bit of criticism of airlines for doing that. Well, I think that's unfair criticism. If they're going to be able to get things up and running, they need to have schedules in place. They need to have air crew in the right place. And also the same for tour operators. They need to have set up arrangements with hotels, etc. Um, so you, you, you can't just do that straight away. So they have to plan in advance. There are rumours that travel insurance could be invalid. What do you make of this? The only reason your insurance is invalidated is if you travel to a country when the foreign office is saying, don't go there. That's, I wouldn't advise that anyway. You should never do that, really. That's, that's still the case. But if you bought it today, and by the way, there are a lot more insurance companies now offering cover for COVID-19. A lot of them moved out of the market initially, but they're moving back in, so that's good news. But again, but if you purchase it now, let's say you travelled in August, and the advice has been lifted for the country you're going to, you're insured. Unfortunately, there's a lot of speculation going around at the moment about ifs and buts and maybes. And that's part of the reason why we're trying not to ourselves commit to a list of destinations and a date of travel, because that's got to be decided by the government. And that's The Leader. You can read more on those stories in the latest edition of The Evening Standard or at standard.co.uk. And we also have morning briefings available at 7am through your smart speaker. Just ask for the news from The Evening Standard. This podcast is back tomorrow at 4pm. Subscribe to make sure you don't miss out.